Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Pink ball, as in Henry Ward, who was uh, championing this Raptors team as the very vision of his ideal form of basketball. You can listen to that podcast where he talked about how this team might look and the benefits of this play style. Uh, We did it way back in the summer, but it's still on your podcast feed. The Raptors, 115-83, defeat the Boston Celtics. 32 points, a pretty... Handy smacking at the hands of the young and innovative Raptors. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Rose Sampson Folk, and we're here to talk about the Raptors' first win of the season, wherein they played a very fun brand of basketball after shedding what was a really ugly YMCA adjacent first run, I would say. The, the game started out quite ugly, but ended up being a large flex of the muscles for the Raptors. But as we are wont to do this year, we are going to start things off with the jazzy, rapid recap. Buckle in and let's get it. Six big cups of missed layups, few shots created, and fewer go in. Tied at 23 after some work from Dragon and OG, defend to contend. An 18-8 run, defensive position leads to transition, now I see the vision. Long boys complicate, actions above the break. The Celtics forget to keep their jumpers wet. If this is the game, then the Raptors are set. It's 30-12 in the paint where the Celtics ain't. Near the basket, tussles won by the Raptors' big muscles. Tatum shakes loose repeatedly where they're guarded by Scotty or OG. He's special on another level. Red Rover, Red Rover, we call Scotty over. Boston's got heartburn from Scotty's star turn, or maybe heart barns. 15 points and hitting some joints. Those are Jays, and he's unfazed. At half, they're up four. Give me more. GTJ bringing the HGG, as in hustle, grind, and grit. He won't quit. More big runs. These Celtics are buns. 20-point lead after three. Let the booze rain down on the Bean Town clowns. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you dunk. Scotty brought the funk. A 32-point win leaves me with a grin. The Raptors are playing Hank Ball for him. Hey, that's your jazzy little Raptors recap. And now we can talk about the game in a more calm, nuanced way, I suppose. So, hell yeah, the Raptors get their first one of the season. Good for them. 
And while it is easy to just point at some jump shots that were made by Scotty Barnes, which, hell yes, Scotty Barnes, keep making jump shots, please. That makes everything way more fun. This was not a game about offensive process and people creating a ton of great shots for the Raptors. This game was an exercise of seeing how many turnovers can a team create and how long can they live in transition. And the Raptors did a pretty damn good job of it in this game. Did they shoot well from the field? Absolutely not, 42%. Did they shoot well from three? Absolutely not, 28%. However, comma, they did have 25 turnovers. And by that, I mean the Celtics had 25 turnovers to the Raptors 11. And they had 27 points off of turnovers to the Celtics 9. This is a team that was complicating fundamentally every action that the Celtics ran. And outside of the incredible shot making of Jason Tatum, the Raptors did a fantastic job of swallowing up the likes of Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart in particular. And a pretty good job of tagging, pinching in on Robert Williams III, who is affectionately referred to as Time Lord. Just, I think, you know, a masterclass defensively showing off length and their ability to switch across a lot of positions. This is the big draw of the Raptors. It's never going to be the offense. Is 115 points scored in a game good? Absolutely it is. But are the Raptors a team that can't get to 115 points without a huge boost in transition? It would be pretty tough for them to get there. And we saw that in the early parts of the game where the Raptors were struggling to create anything in the half court. And as the game wore on, the Celtics were less inclined to get back They were less uh, clinical with their own half-court production, their own half-court sets. And the Raptors started to feast on everything. They're jumping passing lanes. They're jumping guys on handoffs. Anything that was a little bit sloppy for the Celtics was prime real estate. Uh, Shout out Tim and Eric. It's free real estate. It, It was prime real estate for them to insert themselves defensively and create an opportunity to jet set to the other side of the court. The half-court process is still very, very rickety, very bad, and will get measurably better when Pascal Siakam returns, of course. But Fred Van Vliet, especially early, was bad, but I think made a great adjustment, not as a scorer or anything like that, but as a a provider and a guy who set up the framework for their half-court offense. Does that mean that it suddenly became a very good half-court offense? Not at all. I mean, for the early part of the first half, they were averaging, I think they had like an offensive rating of like 75 in the half court, which for the record is abysmal. But Fred Van Vliet providing that structure and actually getting players some looks out of the pick and roll and clever resets, that was really nice to see. I enjoyed that a lot. And then, yes, hitting a couple threes. He he tried, as he often does, a little too hard in transition and in the half court to insert himself and assert himself at the rim, right? That's not his game. He's not a strong finisher. Just ballparking off the top of my head, I would say he's probably around three for 14 at the bucket this year. Those are really, really bad numbers. It could be a little bit less than that. It could be like three for 11 or three for 12, but just not good, not good at all. And so is that a guy providing rim pressure? Or are those wasted possessions? And that's something he needs to consider and something that I think he did start to consider in this game as he started to look elsewhere 
and put the younger players in a better position to succeed. Chief among them, I think Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, and Gary Trent Jr. And Gary Trent Jr., for the record, I think deserves a lot of credit for how he played in this game. The prototypical aspects of his game that we've come to expect were not really there for him. Yes, he did hit a three early on, but this game mostly was good for him because of his ability, A, to read the defense. He found two pockets to the bucket, two of them in the half court, and he made good on both those attempts. He got to the rim, and the one was like a raindrop, underhand floater, (laughs) underhand floater, scoop shot, I should say, and the other one was more so just a layup. But hell yeah, get to the rim, finish those. He did attempt when he had a guy on his hip. His, you know, it will become patented because I can see it's going to become a move he's going to go to a lot, spinning to his right hand and trying to put up a bit of a floater. It didn't go in, and the guy was pretty sticky on him. He didn't, he didn't really clear any space for himself. But there was a little bit more effort to try to get to the rim. But most importantly, uh, he beat the hedge in a pick-and-roll possession where Robert Williams stepped out too far and he got around and he made a shot over the help side defense. And then another one, just, you know, getting by a closeout, putting the shot up. He hit some threes too, but he got to the line in transition and he was super aggressive defensively. And this is something, you know, he had four steals in this one. This has been something trending currently is he's hitting home run plays defensively. He's running like hell. He's covering a lot of ground and he's going after the ball, like a ball hawk, basically. And he's he's causing a lot of turnovers. Four steals is nothing to sneeze at. And he deserves a lot of credit for his performance in this game. But uh, the biggest one, obviously, is Scotty Barnes. The playmaking is still not like a huge, huge part of his game. And that's that's something that we'll have to pay attention to because of how it affects the, the half court and stuff like that and how the Raptors are able to leverage his feel for the game, particularly as a playmaker, into points for his teammates and himself. That's something that will come as the coaching staff better understands him, as do his fellow players. But as far as just being a menace on the glass and getting out in transition running, like six offensive rebounds for Scotty Barnes is pretty ludicrous. The The Boston Celtics should be pretty disappointed that they let him do that, and Scotty Barnes should be patting himself on the back, as should the rest of the Raptors, for the amount of hustle he brought. His willingness to be everywhere on the court at all times and to hang around and try and create those extra possessions offensively when the Raptors do shoot really bad percentages from the floor. How do you counteract that? You need more possessions. That's what you do. He worked really hard for them. That mixed with his grab and go stuff in transition. Hell yeah. I think he did a wonderful job of putting himself in the best position to succeed in a very, very high percentage of possessions. That was awesome from him. OG Ananobi, Like, you know, I'll worry about OG when I'm dead, dude. Four of 18, an abysmal shooting night. But the thing is, he's missing shots that you know he makes, and he has a long track record of making. The first game of the season, you looked at shots he took, and you said he gave himself a really, really difficult shot diet as far as jump shots. Today was kind of like the antithesis of this. OG was not taking anything off the bounce. He was either shooting as a catch-and-shoot guy or he was putting his head down, getting to the rim. And he, like Jason Tatum, is a good defender. Robert Williams, if he's in the vicinity, is going to change shots as well. And OG Ananobi, just because of the spacing on the Raptors, when he got downhill and had a step, it was a step that granted him, you know, he was past his primary defender, 
but the help side defense was still right there. And so a lot of his passes out were kind of milk toast. They didn't create a lot of advantages for the Raptors. And then eventually OG kind of just said, well, I'm going to go at the rim and see what I can do. That led to a lot of missed shots as he headed downhill. He also got to the line a little bit and perhaps, you know, six free throw attempts. If OG is shooting, if OG is getting like between five and seven free throw attempts this year, I think Raptors fans would be really, really happy with that. That would be a hell of a development for him. So that was positive. But the negative is obviously that he still isn't hitting threes. uh, And basically all of them were catch and shoot this year. Quite a few missed. Well, I think two or three missed by a lot. And so he's off shooting. But he's been off shooting to start other years as well. And he still is, you know, a 40% three-point shooter on heavy, heavy volume over the course of however many years. So I'm not worried. That'll come around. And he fell over while dribbling a couple times too. But the Celtics are a tough matchup for him, especially when he's being seen as a primary. They have a guy like Jason Tatum. They have guys like Marcus Smart to dig down. And they have Robert Williams and help side defense. These guys are going to overload. And they're all very long. And they're strong players too. So OG doesn't have that is big an advantage for that trucking style that he likes to insert. So he, he had a tough game. It'll come around, though. I'm not, I'm not super worried about it. it. Is this a worse start than he and everybody else would have wanted? Absolutely. Does this make me see his ceiling or his value as a player as inherently different? Not at all. These games, everybody wants him to be better. He wants to be better, of course. But it doesn't fundamentally change how I how I view him, and I'm I, I certainly don't think anything is trending in the wrong direction. He he tried two completely different styles of play in two different games, and he got to the line in both of them at least. So uh, a positive trend in that way. But you know, shooting like twenty two percent, I think he shot seventeen thir- percent uh, in game one, not good. But hey, he, he's still very very effective defensively. He's he's going to be okay. I'm not super worried about him. Precious, uh, very, very valuable, I would say, in transition. And that Ken Birch, I think, is the half-court center if the Raptors were going to slow down and play that style. And I do think Ken Birch also can get out and run in transition too. But Precious Achua, a guy who represents the, the higher ceiling, just because of age and because of these, you know, micro skills he has, especially with his handle, you wonder what kind of player could he end up as? You don't know what it looks like yet, but you wonder if it could be quite good. And, you know, who's to say yes or no, but 15 points, 15 boards, two steals. He he gave it his all this game. And while there were some defensive missteps, I still think he was a positive player on the defensive end and his willingness to work offensively get out and run, and even hit a three, that was super nice to see. And the Raptors, they kept plugging away, especially after the first quarter, well, the first part of the first quarter. They kept plugging away, and they brought it. That was super nice to see. And Precious was a part of that. 24 minutes is a really good spot for him, especially with the style of play he has. And yeah, big fan of that. But also, Kim Birch and Chris Boucher, I thought, gave pretty good minutes off the bench. Chris Boucher, one of six from downtown. I think, you know, he's going to launch as as ever. You know, that's that's something he's always going to do. He put up 11 shots in this one. He, that's what he's there for. He's on the bench, same as last year when 
he was putting up those super gaudy shooting numbers and was scoring like 18 points a game off the bench and everybody wanted him in the starting lineup. Nick Nurse wanted him on the bench because he thought that's where he'll get the most shots. That's where he'll be valuable. And Chris Boucher is on the bench once again to take shots and to be, you know, rangy defensively, which he is. And I thought, yeah, good game from Boucher and good game from Birch. Neither of them popped a bunch offensively, but they both provided, I think, Fred Van Vliet with a more effective role game. Even if it was short rolling and then moving the ball elsewhere, I thought that it kind of clicked when those two partnered up with him. I was pretty happy with that. Steve Mihailuk, a really good game in short minutes, of course. And I thought he was moving the ball quite well. He's putting the ball on the ground in the right moments. And defensively, uh, similar to Gary Trent Jr., the effort was quite palpable. And when he's operating on the side of the floor that the ball gets swung to, you do feel good when he's involved in an action. He, he's not as long as some of his contemporaries elsewhere on the court, but when he's involved in an action defensively, and whether they're like hedging or sending two guys to the ball or something like that or switching, he feels not as potent, but he feels like a potent guy to send out against another player. And especially the Celtics, who are leaning so heavily on Jason Tatum in this game. I thought Svi, uh, Gary Trent Jr., OG, Scotty Barnes, Precious, Fred, all those guys did a fantastic job loading up on Tatum and then isolating the rest of the guys. Tatum is going to draw attention. And then he's going to pass out. The Raptors know this very well, largely because of that playoff series where Jason Tatum had a lot of attention and passed out a lot and was, you know, becoming a better passer through that. In this game, Jason Tatum, yes, the shot making really was on a level, especially in the first half. But in the second half, loading up on him, particularly Fred Van Vliet in help, digging down was very effective. And yeah, I thought Svi, among other players, did a pretty good job of being interchangeable on the back end and mitigating the advantages that were created, particularly by Tatum. And that's that's where the Raptors made their hay, obviously, was forcing turnovers, yes. I mean, Jalen Brown had five of them. Dennis Schroeder had four. Just a fantastic job of opening, or sorry, closing passing windows and those lob passes that Dennis Schroeder, for example if Robert Williams or Romeo Langford or Al Horford wants to short roll and they want that little lob pass, if the Raptors have a guy like Scotty Barnes or a guy like Svi or a guy like Precious guarding at the nail, those can get pretty hairy pretty quickly. And the Raptors, I think, the court coverage and the ability to attack while covering the court was just fantastic in this game. And that's that's largely what this was built on. Goran Dragic... He provided a steadying hand, I think, for a little bit, which was nice. But he still does see, seem, sorry, uh, quite juxt- strangely juxtaposed against the play style that the Raptors are trying to achieve. And it, it'll be really interesting to see how he factors into the season the rest of the time. The, the garbage time, fellas, uh, Champagne, Flynn, Banton, Bonga, uh, those guys did their thing, but it... I'm, I don't glean anything from garbage time, really. And certainly not if garbage time is only three minutes for them. But uh, very happy to see them in the game. It's always good to see guys get minutes, get to play in the NBA. And uh, hell yeah. Banton also, I guess, had he rejected a screen. Well, sorry, I don't think he rejected it. It seemed Boston iced uh, a pick and roll on the side. And then Banton found, I believe, his precious Achua for a three. So, hey, that was pretty cool. 
I believe the Charlotte Hornets G League affiliate team is called the Swarm. But that seemed very apt for the Raptors tonight. And that was largely why they were successful against the Celtics in this one. Preventative rim protection, man. This is something I talked about with Henry Ward on that podcast episode when we were, well, mostly him, because this is his basketball philosophy. And now he's doing other stuff now, and he works in the basketball sphere, but it's not public work. And, you know, so he's doing stuff, but this is basically his basketball philosophy. And he thought that the Raptors would have preventative rim protection in that they'd be so long and be so heavy in rotation that they can cut off driving lanes with that length so they have to worry less about contesting at the rim and just worry about contesting the driving lanes as they're as the opposing team is attempting to drive through them and that and that also they are not very good contesting at the rim currently the raptors that isn't a huge strength of theirs but they particularly in this game were very very successful at stopping the celtics from getting to those points those really dangerous spots Way less effective against the Wizards, though, because the Wizards, they can operate from a stagnant point way more effectively. Bradley Beal, Spencer Dinwiddie in particular, just put them in a pick and roll. That is really tough for this Raptors defense to account for, especially with, you know, an even okay big man. But Al Horford and Robert Williams, particularly next to guys like Tatum, Brown, and Marcus Smart, none of which I would say are above or high-level passers. And, you know, Jalen Brown, he he's popping off a little bit. He had a huge game against the Knicks. Marcus Smart has had his big games as well. And Jason Tame is obviously one of the better players in the league. He's punching up at, you know, top 15 status for some people. And But they can't play make their bigs into those spots as well as a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie or Bradley Beal. It just, they don't operate out of those sets as smoothly. And the Raptors, in that erratic nature of the Celtics offense that came along this one, they dominated. So that was awesome to see. Reggie Evans Award, I'm giving it to Gary Trent Jr. Hustle, man. He he really brought it. And I, as a guy who was, you know, prior to the season and will continue to wonder about the flaws in his game, uh, this was an awesome game for him. He got to the rim two times effectively, got to the free throw line, particularly in transition, and ran like hell on defense trying to track down a bunch of different plays. So that was that was really nice to see from him tonight. Top quick action comment is from Nate N8. Quote, not another word about Gary Trent's defense. Dude was locked in tonight. Also, Scotty outplaying Tatum in his second game ever. LOL. End quote. Well, we can talk about Gary Trent's defense if it's bad. He had a good game, though. Uh, he definitely, definitely had a good game. But uh, certainly not tonight. I wouldn't talk about Gary Trenton's defense in a bad way tonight. I mean, at the start of this podcast, I was saying how good it was. And uh, I was talking about it just before you were saying it. But yeah, if if somebody is complaining about Gary Trent's defense tonight, I think that is severely misguided. But this is something to track uh, going forward as well. But the Raptors as a whole, hell yeah, is uh, defensively in this one. And Gary Trent as well deserves a lot of love. And I hope I gave him the requisite amount. And Scotty O playing Tatum. Yeah, man, Scotty O played everybody in this game. Tatum, I feel bad for because he just had no help. There's a guy like Jalen Brown who is supposed to provide a meaningful amount of help who just didn't in this game. And big shout out to the Raptors for mitigating what he's good at. But Scotty was the best player on the floor for long stretches of this game. So hell yeah, fourth overall pick. Keep doing your thing. But 
thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for writing in, Nate. And uh, whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>